Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Question, how many people out here are readers who like to read? All right. We're, I'd say we're about a, like a 35 to 40 like to read, and like a 60, like, uh, not, my, not my cup of tea. All right. As a reader, have you ever like sat and tried to explain to somebody like why reading is so good? All right. You talk to them. You talk to them like reading is great. Like it engages the imagination. It helps form your mind. It teaches you things that like you can't learn in any other way. And when you talk to somebody who really doesn't like reading, it's like it's just falling on deaf ears. Like, oh, that's great. No. Right? But you're like, you don't know what you're missing. You ever go and see a movie with somebody that was a book, right? And you didn't, you didn't read the book, you just saw the movie, and you went with a person who read the book and saw the, and, and saw the movie. What does the person who read the book always say? The book is always better. Right? The book is always better. Can you say that the person who doesn't like to read, right, has been kept away from the fruit or the benefits of reading? Right? As a person who says, I don't like to read, have they been denied right, the gifts of reading? No, they haven't been denied the gifts of reading. What has denied their gifts? Their own stubbornness. Right? Forgive me, all of you who don't like to read, stubborn. Okay? When you come into my office, and we sit down and we talk, and we're talking about a problem, and we say, okay, I want you to read about this, and the response is, but Abuna, I'm not a book person. Then enjoy your problem. Okay? Enjoy your problem, because there's not much I can do. Because, all right, there's a stubbornness, there's a resistance, all right? There's a hardness of heart to something that can be a gift, and if you don't want it, there's only so much that people can do. We can describe it, like the joy of reading. We can try and articulate it, be animated as much as possible, try and entertain you. But at the end of the day, if you don't want to, okay, it's your call. Right? It's your call. And it's very similar, right, in our resistance to God. Okay? We can be resistant to God, just as we can be resistant to reading. And we can be resistant to God in many different ways, right? We can resist Him in service. We can resist Him when He is challenging us to forgive. We can resist Him when it comes to our finances. We can resist Him in how we want to, to fast. We can resist Him in prayer. We can resist Him in Scripture. We can resist God in many different ways. But when we resist him, 
in, in our different ways, and everybody has unique ways of resisting him, right? Everybody is unique in how we can resist God. There's overlap, but everybody is unique in how we do it. But when we resist him, there's a lack of knowledge of him. And if you've been attending Bible study, we talked about this last week, or actually the week before in week one, when in Greek, there's two ways that we describe, or scripture describes knowing God, right? There's this word gnosis, which is just a very generic term for knowledge. And then there is epignosis, which is a more intimate knowledge of God. It means you've gotten in there, you've read, you've understand, you've had difficulties, right? You've kind of duked it out with God, so to speak. And in that interaction, what happens is that you build a deeper, deeper knowledge of who he is. Right, And we can hold a position of knowing God superficially without knowing him very intimately. We can hold a position of knowing him superficially and knowing about him and even being able to articulate him without knowing him very personally. And it comes down to our resistance to him. In light of what we've talked about, I want to open up with a verse from the gospel of today, which comes from John chapter 6. And in John, he's quoting from Isaiah. All right, so we're jumping back several hundred years. And Isaiah says this, and I think this verse trips up a lot of people. Therefore, they could not believe, because Isaiah said again, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, and lest they should understand with their hearts, and turn so that I should heal them, right? At first pass, when we read this verse, it can very easily give the impression that my ability to know is dependent on whether or not he has opened up the channel, right? Whether or not he has given me what I need to know, that it's really not in my control, it's in his control. At first pass, we can read this, right? That they wanted to see, but God blinded their eyes. They wanted to like love, but he hardened their hearts. At first pass, we can come away with that. But that's inconsistent with what we know about God. Right? Because actually, if we go one verse back, Isaiah said this that the word of Isaiah, sorry, that the word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which spoke, Lord, who has believed our report, and whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Right? I want to focus on the last part of this, this verse that Isaiah said, or the sentence that Isaiah said. When we talk about the armor of the Lord, who are we talking about? Christ, right? The armor of the Lord, the manifestation of God to us. Right? God revealed himself to us through his only begotten son, which became, in, in this verse, the armor of the Lord. When the Lord took on humanity... Who did he reveal himself to? When the Lord took on humanity, who did he reveal himself to? Huh? You all need microphones. Okay? Everyone. All right? Everyone. When the Lord took on humanity, he revealed himself to everyone. 
because he came close to our nature. He took on our nature. He was divine and he took on humanity in order to reveal himself to all of humanity. This is how he leapt. This is how God made kind of that leap from being a God who was really focused on the Israelites and the Jewish nation to a God who was for all. All right? This is how we jumped from being Israel being the nation of God, okay, which they are his chosen people, but now he is a God who has revealed himself to all because he has taken on humanity. He has shared my nature. Right? He's taken on my nature, and actually in the process, he has shared his nature with me. Right? So who has he revealed himself to? Everybody. Everybody. Right? And this was a plan from the beginning. He didn't make this up on the fly. He didn't like start with Adam and Eve, and then when they ate from the apple, it's like, oh, what do you do now? No, no. He created Adam and Eve. But in creating Adam and Eve, what did he know beforehand? They're going to mess up. Right? And that we're going to have to fix this problem. So actually, if we look at what St. Paul wrote in 2 Thessalonians, which was the epistle of today, he says, But we were bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. So what this verse is saying, what St. Paul is saying is that before he even began creating, he knew that in creating, out of his foreknowledge, what would happen. But he said, I'm going to create them anyway. Why? Because I want the relationship with them. I want this love relationship to work. And in order for it to be loved, they have to be free and to be able to make their own choices. And when I give them that freedom, they're going to mess it up. But the mess up is worth having the love relationship. Because love has to be free. If love is not free, it cannot be called love. The underpinning of love is that it's a free choice. So in creating them, in creating them free, he knew what was going to happen. But he said, from the beginning, I'm going to love you. And as actually St. John says, too, he loved them to the end. He loved all of us to the end. Right? So from the beginning... Jesus knew he was going to love us. He was going to reach out for us. That he was going to prepare a way for salvation for everybody. Not just the Jewish nation. Not just the people of Israel. That's how he began the relationship. There had to be a starting point. But the end goal of the relationship was for salvation for all. So who has the armor of the Lord been revealed to? All of us. All of us. And so we have to make the choice to know him. To those who resist, he doesn't impose. To those who resist, he doesn't impose. Right? Does reading impose on somebody? Do you like magazines like jump up and say, read me? No. They don't impose. But they're there. They're as a gift. Do we want to take it up or not? If I'm resistant to it, right, I'm hurting myself. I haven't begun to open up all the beauty and all the gifts that are contained in reading. And likewise, in my relationship with him, if I don't open up, right, I'm missing out on really knowing him. But to those who reach out and to hold on to what is given, he bestows a gift on them. To those of us, right, who work towards softening our heart, 
who work towards not being so resistant to it. What happens? Well, he begins to come and teach us about himself. He shows us. He reveals himself to us. He gives us a gift when we work towards not being so resistant, when we work towards softening our heart. It's a gift that he gives to us when we want it. Not when we don't want it, it's when we want it. I want to read this quote by St. Cyril of Alexandria. It says, But not to the unclean does the Father grant the knowledge of Christ, nor to those accustomed to straying into, unto extravagant unbelief doth he, he infuse the most healthful grace of the Spirit. What is, what is St. Cyril articulating? That God respects our choices. He respects what we want to do. Right? We want to go off in left field? He respects it. We want to be resistant and hard-hearted? He respects it. And this part is a little bit hard. For not on mud is the right Sorry, for not on mud is it right that the precious ointment be poured forth. For not on mud is it right that precious ointment be poured forth. Would you ever find somebody buying like perfume, expensive perfume, and just like dumping it on the ground? No. Not made for that. So when God gives us the gift to understand who he is and the vastness of who he is, which none of us can do it by ourselves, what do we need? We need his guidance. We need his spirit. We need him to enlighten us. These are all gifts that he bestows upon us. Is he going to pour it on somebody who is resistant or somebody who is opening up? It's when we open up when we take that first step. So if we kind of connect all these, I want to leave us with two, with two things. It's in our area of resistance towards God that we are inhibiting ourselves from knowing him more deeply. And it's, it's in the area, I'm going to say it again, it's in the area that we are resisting God the most, that we are inhibiting our ability to know him the deepest. And so if we are to identify the place that we are most resistant, we are also identifying the place in which we have the most growth in our knowledge of Him to obtain. When we turn to Him and soften our hearts, when we turn to Him and ease up on our resistance, what happens is that last part that Isaiah said, where I shall heal them. I shall help them. And that help comes in deepening our understanding of Him, our knowledge of Him. Right? And we see this. We see this process being mirrored out in our closest relationships. So we shouldn't be surprised. All relationships, as they get deeper, eventually hit friction. Right? Marriages know this very well. It's only when, in that friction and in that tension, that we begin to soften up, ease our resistance, not be so hard-hearted, 
that we open up the opportunity for a greater deal of intimacy. And so it's the same with the Lord. That in the areas that I'm most resistant to Him, that if I choose to soften up my heart, if I choose to not be so resistant to forgiveness, if I choose not to be hard towards you know, service or others, right? Or to not be so uptight with my finances, or you fill in the blank, whatever it is for you. I can choose to soften up. I open up the opportunity for me to be receptive to him. And then what does he do? He pours that ointment out. Because it's not on mud anymore. Right? He pours it out and then he opens up. He opens up our minds. He enlightens us. He gives us that intimate knowledge of him. God doesn't take away our ability to know him. In fact, he's done everything in his ability to show, to bring us into a relationship with him. And everything in his ability stops at taking away our ability to choose. He has done everything except that. And he leaves that final piece to us. Because the ultimate desire is love. And that is free. So where we resist him is where we have the most opportunity for growth. We hold on to our resistance. We keep ourselves at a distance from him. We soften our resistance. And we turn to him. And like Isaiah says, I will heal him. And that's where the most intimate knowledge of God comes. So in our minute of silence, you think, where is my resistance? Where is my hardness of heart? Where am I not letting God in? And tell yourself, this is where God wants me. This is where I need to know God. And this is where I have the greatest opportunity to build a deep and lasting relationship with Him. And glory be to God forever. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.